Welcome to the Ungold Podcast. Date of recording is June 8th, 2021. We've got a packed show for you. Uh, I haven't run this by Donnie yet, but, but I'm ready to throw out the rundown. We were originally going to, you know, go all in on Euro 2020 in 2021. You know, preview the groups, talk about the, the squads that we're interested in. But I think we'd be doing everybody a disservice if we didn't spend the entire podcast talking about the most prestigious an important international tournament in world soccer, and that is the CONCACAF Nations League, of which United States men's national team are champions, baby. And not only are they champions, the only ever champions of the CONCACAF Nations League tournament. League, uh, League of One. League of One, exactly. Um, but yeah, we're going to, uh, as Eric alluded to, oh, by the way, Eric, happy National Best Friends Day. Uh, happy National Best Friends Day, Donnie. <laughs> but anyway... Back to more uh, relevant matters. Yeah, we're going to jump right into the uh, U.S. men's national team, and then after that, we're going to give a nice little preview of the uh, upcoming Euros. If Donnie can, can get me off of the U.S. Men's national team track, that, that's going to be his task for the evening, and we'll see if he's successful. But first... To the byline. It's in, it's an up goal! It's a gift! It's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. So, Donnie, a lot of the, the U.S. national team fan base and, and a lot of the, the Mexican national team fan base are, are kind of buzzing positively and negatively as a result of that wild game we watched on Sunday. I think before we jump into the game itself, it makes sense to kind of talk about you know our thoughts and our feelings about the U.S. team and their where, where they were in their progress leading up to the game. And what better way to do that than jumping in with the semifinal? Uh, which was against Honduras, where the U.S. had a bit of a shaky showing, in in my opinion, uh, eking out a 1-0 win. Yeah, based on that Honduras game, I was super, super nervous heading into Mexico because just the team just did not look fluid, did not look cohesive, very disjointed, very disorganized, and, you know, Hond- you, you could argue, as a neutral, Honduras was unlucky, unlucky, to not at least score a goal in that game. I mean, we talk about him all the time, um, mostly for his defensive effort as a forward, which is probably saying something. But Josh Sargent had an incredible intervention to head that that ball off the line. Yeah. Um, 99 out of 100 times, that ball is going in the net, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with you. Like They, they were a little unfortunate. Uh, and it's it's what we've seen from the U.S. time and time again. Teams that are comfortable, you know, sitting back, defending, hitting us on the counter in transition provide us a lot of problems. And that transition defense looked bad. Yeah, bad is stating it mildly. The transition defense against Honduras kind of looked like dog shit. So I, I, I was similar to you. I was worried. You know, I didn't watch the Mexico-Costa Rica game, but I was kind of, you know, following the, the score line and then reading the recaps and stuff about it. And I was a, a little less nervous because it sounded like Mexico also had, you know, a pretty flat showing against Costa Rica. I, I think it's safe to say 
you know, Costa Rica is not as as competitive as they were, you know, two, four, six years ago. They're, they're, they've, they've had some Asian stars. Kayla Navas wasn't wasn't in the lineup. Um, so that gave me a little bit of confidence, but I was very nervous. And then leading into the game, hearing all the rumors that, you know, USA, Mexico, USA Berhalter was going to roll out a, uh, you know, three center back formation. Um, just looking at the roster and knowing, like, with Chris Richards' injury, Aaron Long's injury, I was like, like do we have the center back depth to put three of those guys on the field at one time? Yeah, and, you know, kind of with that, the game could not have gotten into a worst possible start. Mark McKenzie, clear the fucking ball. I mean, just just get rid of it. You're under pressure. Just boot it. He just gives yeah. it right to the Mexican player in the first minute of the game, and then it's just credit to him. just smashes it into the roof of the net. Stefan had no chance of doing anything with that. And no. we're down 1-0 from the get-go. Uh, earliest goal United States uh, have allowed in a competitive fixture. Second earliest goal Mexico have ever scored in a competitive fixture. Not how you want to kickstart this, you know, young, up-and-coming generation's first real test, right? This is this is the first legitimate test that we've had with, you know, not not with Pulisic. Pulisic was part of the, you know, World Cup failure qualification squad, so he's been in big moments. Uh, but Weston McKinney, first time really, really in that spotlight. Zach Steffen, you know, not not John Brooks, but Giorena, Sergio, Dest. Yeah, so. That was really, really worrisome coming into you know their first two minutes. Um, I got I, I mean I feel bad for Mark McKenzie. Um, you know yes. he we'll talk about it as we go over the, the game in, in a little more detail. He had a rough go of it every time uh, he specifically was on the ball. You could tell Mexico was thinking we press this guy. We we're gonna we're getting a, a Sean goal out of it, and more times than not. That was correct. Um, and, you know, that to me you know, makes me wonder why is, is Greg so, MLS Greg, so adamant that we have to play out of the back every single possession? Like, it, it, our team was clearly told that we could not just boot the ball up. They had to build. And I, we don't have the, the skill set for that that was on the field. Yeah, I think part of it is, you know, that is just such a modern trend of the game. Um, the the era of the early-ish to mid-2000s where center backs used to just boot the ball into the stands and get, like, re- like you know, such a um, vigorous cheer from the fans for clearing it. That era died with the 2009 Barcelona team that ultimately <laughs> also became the playing style, the tiki-taka of the 2010 Spain team. And so now there's such an onus on center backs who can possess the ball and can pass the ball and then you end up with Harry Maguire and your Manchester United and you can't defend set pieces. Um, yeah. But, so... I mean, apparently Mexico can't defend set pieces either, but we'll, we'll get into that. Yes, uh, that is true. But, so, I, I think more than anything, that's a trend of the modern game. And, I'll, and, and well, I agree with you. When you're the national team manager, you have to assess the talent that you have and how can you maximize that talent and do your best to hide the flaws of the Minimize, squad. Yeah. Squad. Put your players, yeah. 
But I'll then I'll also kind of counter, and it's rare that I'll defend. I'm not really defending Greg Berhalter. More as just I'm making a counterpoint in that if you're playing for the U.S. men's national team, given the trend, the modern trend of the game, you got to be able to not fuck up the way Mark McKenzie fucked up in the first minute of that game. Sure. That is now part of the skill set of the modern center back. And I don't think Mark McKenzie is that guy yet. I'm not saying he can't be that guy. He's young. I think that if Chris Richards were healthy and available, he would have been there. I think if Aaron Long were healthy and available, he would have been there. But I agree with you. I think Greg Berhalter should have maybe tried to hide that weakness a little more. And I think he did with the formation. But, you know, the formation ended up being... It's almost as if, you know, he went with a back five, but then maybe was really going with a back three, and then just ended up being a 4-4-2 because of yeah, the... So- I, I want I wanted to jump in on this um, because I had some uh, we saw the lineup right and, and the way the US posts the lineup it's just the, the raw, like names names are their numbers right um, they don't they don't say here's the position they're gonna be in because they're not doing the scouting report for their their opponents an hour before the game um, and we saw okay uh, we've got three center backs on here right Mark McKenzie John Brooks and Tim Ream and then we've got Two fullbacks, wingbacks, you know, whatever, inserting your desk and Yaja Yedlin. So that clearly says to us it's going to be three in the three center backs, you know, with two wingbacks. So three in the back, five in the back, however you want to label it, it's, it's that structure. Maybe it's because the game uh, went to shit so quickly and we were down one nothing right off the bat. But when I was like even 20 minutes, 30 minutes in, looking at how we were setting up from a shape perspective, on the ball, off the ball, in, in both scenarios, it really looked to me like Dest was not playing a wing back at all. It looked to me like, as you said, we were four in the back. You know, you can draw a straight line, and Reem was out wide as a left back, with with Yeti as a right back on the same plane as Reem. If they're in a three or five in the back, Yedlin is not supposed to have his natural shape on the same plane as Reem. So I, I was wondering, like, I, I wasn't paying attention to the, the true structure, you know, five minutes in, ten minutes in, I was just too dejected and depressed. Uh, but it really looked to me like we were, at least for, you know, what, uh, we played 120 minutes. So for 90 minutes of that game, we were in a either 4-4-2 or 4-3-3, you know, depending on the, the up-top structure. Yeah, so I'll say this. I think we set up for the three center back, two wing back, if you want to call that three in the back, five in the back, whatever formation, but that formation, I believe that's what we set up. I think the re- you kind of alluded to it, the reason why we... I don't think it was a coaching reason why we didn't play that way. I think what happened is you have Sergino Dest, who Dest has so much talent, especially going forward, but absolutely does not track back and is not a great defender. He's, he's not... Anthony Robinson. He's, he's, Anthony he Robinson might, is a far better one-on-one defender who can put a winger in his pocket. Yeah, uh, and also like Dest is more. Even though he's in Barcelona, uh, he's from the Marcelo school of, of fullbacking. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's part of it, right? So he's already kind of playing high up, and so what does Reem do? He slots back. But you mentioned it kind of earlier that Mark McKenzie was kind of struggling a little bit most of the game. 
So what did Yedlin, a veteran player, do? Yedlin did not go forward that much during that game. No. And I truly believe that it's because he wanted to provide cover for McKenzie. If McKenzie fucked up, who has the speed to try to fix that? It's Yedlin. Yeah. Yedlin's yeah. still the fastest player on the field yesterday. That's that's so that's that's a good point. So you're yeah, like it it's not that Greg put us out in there in a four three three with, you know, five defenders. It's that, you know, a Dest kind of being young and not being strong defensively and being prone to, to stay forward was just naturally there. And B Yedlin being, you know, the one of the elder states in the squad and understanding where the risks were, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Which then so I still have a critique on, on MLS Greg. It's not you know, that he he lined us up like an idiot, which I still think he did, but we can get into that. Uh, it's that his players decided they had to, you know, call audibles on his tactics. Yes. That might be a cause for deeper concern. If that was not if that was not MLS Greg's plan, then clearly then uh, um, Dest and Yeti just needed his plan like that fan who just jumped off of the uh, commentator uh, uh, leg. Well, did he jump or did that security guard send him to his doom? Banish him to the shadow realm. <laughs> um, well, and you know, the good thing is you want your fullbacks making those kinds of decisions. They're the most important players on the field. Yes, but you don't want them superseding the team strat. <laughs> so, obviously, we're very dejected early on. Um, even more dejecting is the fact that I paid for the, the Mayweather-Paul fight. Did you really? Well, I, I got with some of our friends, and we kind of were just, like, watching a bunch of sports together. And, you know, you know, why not? It was something to do. It was an excuse to hang out with your friends. But then, about a little bit over halfway through that first period, we get a corner kick. Well, hold up. Oh. Well, Mexico gets a corner kick first. Oh, good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. 20 minutes, 20 minutes in or so, Mexico yep. gets a corner kick. And we scholars will debate who lost their man. <laughs> uh, but uh, what was I don't it? know if uh, scholars are necessarily that debate, but somebody lost his man. Somebody lost his man. <laughs> you can, I can make an argument that McKinney was taking the back post and that it was somebody else's man, Mark McKenzie's, that actually got let wide open and i can make the argument that mckinney was taking the back post and the goal came at the back post. yes that's, that's fair that's also fair uh but usually correct me if i'm wrong but so you've got the people taking like the front the near post the back post and then you've got the other guys man marking the people that are currently in the box so ideally the people manning the posts are watching the runners coming in from outside the box uh the I think it was Moreno who who, who headed it in. Yeah, was started off right next to Mark McKenzie, and then uh, ditched him, and and uh, Weston did not pick him up. So it was it was it was a fuck up all around. Uh, wide open header in the box. Mexico up to nothing. And if that goal had stood, I think it's game over right there. Yes, one thousand percent. I think I think it's game over. Probably ends like four yeah. one. Uh, but VAR. Your beloved have, invention intervenes I, again. Um, I have so I actually have inside uh, footage. Uh, it's it's photo evidence of the man in the var room. I will uh, I'll, I'll get it out onto the social media platform. But I have I have accurate uh, photo photos of the of our inside source working 
the VAR room uh, on this call, drawing the lines with Microsoft Paint to identify offsides. You're such a piece of shit. Um, luckily, as you just alluded to, that goal is called off. Yeah, Donnie called it offsides. <laughs> it was rightfully called off offsides with the intervention of VAR by a dwarf's penis. So, uh, and by dwarf, know, I'm very specifically referring to a mythical creature, not yes. any type of human being. For sure. I, I just want um, to be clear, I'm, I'm referring to a mythical creature. We can say uh, rightfully called because he was uh, like a toe off sides, but all of the uh, all of the critiques we've levered against VAR have been, I think, we like there are the obvious like ones that VAR catches yep. and like whatever that's fine. Our big issue is like enforcing these ticky tacky tiny things where you've got to get your laser pointers out and draw like on your graphing paper to see everything where like yeah he's a smidge off sides but there really wasn't any unfair advantage given to him from that where we've had our complaints and i I don't want to be a hypocrite this felt closer to that than than the the clear and obvious yeah i mean i think you you alluded to it i'll just say if you coming to the point where you're having to fucking use a protractor to figure out if he's onside or offsides, he's onsides. That being said, that being said, this is how the rule has been determined to be used, and so I applaud the refs on calling the game properly at this very specific moment. No, applaud the VAR room. That ref was dog shit. He had yes. no control over that game. Yeah. Uh. So we 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 literally snatch a stalemate from the jaws of defeat uh just in that moment right going from two down back to one down and then donald what happens like less than two minutes minutes later later, corner kick america ball whipped in ballistic with a great ball that thing was beautiful weston mckinney jumps five thousand feet into the air perfect header just off the post but Gio reyna bless his little heart he is, that kid is so skinny. But <laughs> right place, right time, off the post, Giorena with a tap in, 1-1, one, one, let's fuck Yeah, up. I mean, so first thing is, I, we've talked about this ever since we started spotlighting McKinney when he was still at Schalke. The dude is unstoppable uh, getting his head on the ball. Unstoppable. Um, that's why the, the, the VAR goal doesn't count because Weston clearly knew he was offsides, you know? So he didn't, that, that, that's why, in retrospect, he knew. That's why he didn't go for that. But I think especially on the attacking set pieces, I, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't want to ignore people that I didn't grow up watching, but from the U.S. teams that I started watching, I don't know if I've ever seen an American better at getting his head on attacking, attacking set pieces. I agree. And yeah, I, I was I was so I, I was like I saw him go over the balls like that's a goal. And then it hits the fucking slick like ninety degree angle at the post and then thank God how many times do we play Mexico do where where that rebound goes straight to Ochoa or goes straight to, you know, Rafa Marquez. Yeah, you see Ochoa's tentacle like hair just grabs the rebound. So the fact that it just fell Wait, straight didn't to Rafa Rafa Marquez get in trouble for like helping to mule drugs across the border. Wasn't he involved in a huge drug ring? I think so. We should not forget that. Yeah, please please look that up. 
Uh, as Gates types furiously, so we go into halftime one-one. Everything to play for. You get, I mean, such a you get such a big break. We cat we we get those shot off the post one-one going into the second half. And during the middle of the second half, the unthinkable happens. Well, I I think first we should uh, like at at halftime. You know we. We were texting back and forth. We were in very. We were in like three different group chats and our individual, you know, just one to one gaffer chat and gaff chat. Gaff chat. I think we. I think we both had like similar thoughts on like, you know, judging on how it started, it could have the first half could have ended a lot worse. So much uh, worse. You know, Mexico got a goal within two minutes and then dominated the next 10 to 15 minutes of play. But we also showed signs of life, you know, near the, you know, once we got our goal, signs of life, but overall was not happy with how the game had gone. Personally. Yeah. So, so I was thinking, you know, this is a, this is a, a big game and like, I hate to shake this guy's confidence, but if, if I'm MLS Greg, I'm making, I'm making two changes right out of the game. First is I'll bring in Matt Miazga uh, to spell Mark McKenzie. Just because he he looked shook, he looked shook. Not just the goal he, he conceded, but constantly giving up possession. I, I I was I was worried. And then the other thing was, I don't care how you do it, but get Tim Ream off the field. The guy is so slow. I'm pretty sure run, Brazilian Ronaldo at peak playing weight could outrun him <laughs> at peak playing weight. And and remind you, like regardless of whether this was the official team tactic or just how it happened he was he was effectively playing left back he was out on the wing against mexico who always have you know pacing players on the wing in the modern game you cannot have a left back who has negative speed yeah this is worse than graham zizzy like that's that's bad uh so my, my my thought was well you know what you know who's a great left back anthony so you have two options one bring in anthony and let Des still do whatever the hell he's doing, or, or, sub in Eunice or Tyler Adams if he was healthy enough. I wasn't sure how many minutes Tyler had in his legs. Right, sub in Eunice Musa or Tyler Adams for Tim Ream, and then bump Des back to actual left back. Maybe if you make Des play left back, he won't stay up at the, the like the half leg point the entire game. I don't know. Yeah, worth a shot. Yeah, of course we do. No, we we do nothing. We do neither of those things. No, no, we do not. We do, in the 60th minute, sub in Tim Way for Sergino Dest, which still lives Team Ream out there. Yep. And now whatever tracking back we got from Dest, certainly Tim Way isn't going to track back, nor should really, nor really should he. That being said, I thought immediately when he was able to get on the ball, Oh, he was Tim great. Leo, that 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 one time no look bomb to Geo, or was it from Geo to Tim? No, I can't from, remember. From Geo, I think. I thought I think the I thought the first one was actually from Wea to Geo, and then later on, uh, yeah, then when Geo got subbed out, uh, Wea took that spot and then was getting like bombed. Okay, deep. okay, yeah. The first one was 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 Wea, uh, just just blasting that thing like perfectly. I I was really impressed with with Tim, and I think well. If you'll if you'll give me the minutes, we'll talk about you know my takeaway is moving forward, but we'll we'll get to there if we can. 
yeah, bringing on Wea was a good choice. Leaving Reem out there and Mackenzie out there, a bad choice in my opinion. So it was one half of the sub one half of the equation was good, the other half was not good. I also think br bringing on Sebastian for Sergeant a few minutes later was also a good move. It was just giving us a giving us a different look. Apparently, apparently he prefers to go by his mother's maiden name, Pifok. Say that again for me. I think it's like Pifok. Pifok. Okay. It's it's the name that's on the back of the jersey now. Yeah. It's P E. Yeah. Um, I think that's his mother's maiden name. Okay. Well, in the 69th minute, the absolute unthinkable happens. Non-contact knee injury mm. for Zach Steffen. Ugh. Basically, we all kind of have our hearts <laughs> just all sink. Steffen now, turns out it's only a bone bruise. He's out for 10 days. Nothing long-term at all. Thank God. But if you're like me, you know... This, you see that happen, and you immediately think the worst possible scenario, right? I'm like, we're not getting Zach back until halfway through World Cup qualifying, like, early next year. That's that. That's where my mind immediately goes. Now, I'm not even thinking about how do we finish out this game. I'm thinking, like, oh, fuck. So, fortunately, you know, the United States has a pretty solid history of having, like, if you've got, if, usually if we have one good goalie, we, we have a pretty solid second one too. It's when we don't have one good goalie that we're in problem. We have problems. Yeah, we usually, our goalies come in bunches. <laughs> and we've, we've been very high on uh, uh, Ethan Horvath for a while, ever since like FIFA 17 or something, when we did a, when we took a, what was it, West Ham to, to Glory, and we, we purchased Ethan Horvath from Mold uh, out of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's hands uh, back in the day. So, 79th minute, Mexico grabbed a lead. Well, well, yeah, so 70th minute or 72nd minute, they sub on Diego Linus, uh, yep. who is basically a, a human spark plug. That guy is just shifty, quick, and I mean, they, I mean, Tata knew exactly what he was doing. I'm surprised he didn't do it earlier, uh, but he puts Linus on the Mexico right wing which is going directly into Tim uh, Tim, Dinosaur Tim Ream. And he, he, he gets in, I think, two minutes later. He, less than two minutes later, Linus specifically like works uh, works Ream. Brooks and McKenzie aren't able to cover enough. He actually puts the ball through one of the defender's legs, completely screening uh, Horvath, and just goes in bottom right corner. Three minutes later, you think the game is over with 10 minutes left at that point. 82nd minute, Gio Reyna puts in a beautiful ball off the corner. Weston McKinney towers high, keep head, heads it low and hard. And I think off of a header, especially off a set piece, if you head it and you're able to get the ball to go low, harder for the goalie to save than something up. Because it's hard for them to get all the way back down than it is to kind of Get it up. And 2-2, two, two, we're back in the game. We're fucking going nuts at this point. It was That was incredible. And, I mean, we, we said it. Weston getting his head on every single ball. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. You know, Christian's been taking most of the, the corner kicks, but it was the other side. And Gio was, the, was like, I think, I don't know if he was the one that won it, but he was just right there when it went out. So he just grabbed it, put it down. We took it pretty quick. And it was, I mean, we've got some decent corner, corner takers, I think. Um yeah, that was it was 
it was really cool that this you know at this point we we went down two two um one off of just like a mistake that hopefully doesn't really happen all that often moving forward and then the other off of like i think managerial negligence by having tim reed still in the game uh but then to have geo reyna weston mckinney you know in the first goal christian pulisic whipped the ball into mckinney so to have like our three big offensive guys actively uh involved in creating the two comeback goals was something that's pretty cool to see agreed See out the game, 2-2, extra time on the table. So, in the 90th, or maybe 92nd, Chucky Lozano had a cracker of a shot and really giving, I think, Ethan his second his second big test. He stopped like a, a breakaway, uh, like a one-on-one earlier in the game. Uh, then he actually stopped a second breakaway that was called back for offsides, but he didn't know that when he made the save. And then stopped like a... Uh, kind of a corkscrew shot from Lozano to send us into extra time. And just for all those who don't recall or aren't familiar with Ethan Horvath, he'd been uh, Club Bruges starter for about a year or so when Simone Mignolet uh, left Liverpool and Bruges brought Mignolet in and that just automatically uh, pushed Ethan, who had had solid showing for Bruges. Even, like, he had three straight shutouts in Champions League games uh, at one point, just relegated him to the bench. With COVID, uh, Mignolet was out for one game. It was a Champions League game. He came in, kind of got them, helped them get a 2-1 win. And that's like one of the few games he's played since Mignolet arrived. He hasn't been able to see his family in like two years because of COVID protocol and travel restrictions. So kid was just having a, a you know, he's had a rough two years. And just to have him come out and just make these saves right after entering the game was, I thought, really cool to see. Yeah. First half of extra time, as it often is, kind of proved to be a little bit of a nervy of a affair. KG. Neither team really wanted to fuck up more than anything in that first half. But in that second half of extra time, things get very interesting. Christian Pulisic makes a darting run into the box with the ball. <sighs> One Mexican defender pokes the ball out and kind of at the same time, in my opinion... Another Mexican defender just kind of knocks kind of like knee to thigh with Pulisic. No penalties called on the field, but there's a VAR review. A lengthy VAR review. And I have to say, I do not think that that should have been called a penalty. Yeah. Um, uh, just it, just to be in total candor and total fairness. And it won't end up mattering because I think Mexico would get one that's pretty great in my opinion as well. So it kind of balanced out for me, but just in that moment, I even I think I sent in multiple groups like that should not be a penalty. Yeah. So I was I was doing less of the should this be a penalty or not, and my, my first thing was like, okay, what is it that, that like causing the flag? And it is that defender before he pokes the ball away has his other leg outstretched and like you know prevents Christian from continuing his run onto the ball. That's that's why the var var you know. Our, our inside VAR man flagged it. Um, I would agree that is a little soft for me and probably not worth overturning a call or no call on the field. Yes. I will say this in line with, you know, our, our review of the VAR use from earlier in the game, whether it's Premier League, Italian League, whatever league, you've seen that call this year. You've seen that call made. 
soft penalty, but you've seen it made. And I would agree, we'll get to it in a minute, but the, the VAR review that gives Mexico a penalty was also incredibly soft. McKenzie's hand was as close to his body as possible. Yeah, we'll get there, and we'll get there, we'll get there. So ultimately, a penalty's given. Right or wrong, that is the call on the field. Christian Pulisic steps up, ball in his hand, facing the longtime Mexican goalie, Manuel Ochoa. Memo Ochoa? Memo Ochoa, I don't know why I called him Manuel. Whatever. Doesn't matter. He's a relic. Christian Pulisic is the present. And as I sit there, I always say when people step up for penalties, especially late on, especially late on, keep it low and hard. Keep it low, though. Because when your legs are tired, that's when you sky it. It doesn't make... It's surprising because you overcompensate because you feel so heavy. Yeah. But he doesn't keep it low and hard. Instead, he hits it perfectly. Top corner. Top bins. Just beautiful. 3-2, USA, victories in sight. So then, I mean, the, that celebration just immediately takes his shirt off and runs to the, uh, like, the Mexico fan corner, um, flashing the shush. I mean, and then he's immediately swarmed by his, by his teammates. Reyna, who had been subbed out, you know, is in his little training bed, comes off, off, you know, celebrating the corner with him. And then they're immediately pelted with projectiles by the Mexican fans. Who at this point have already been warned twice about their homophobic chants. Yes, projectiles, uh, including uh, you know drinks, and oftentimes what we've seen is they will fill those drinks with piss and throw them. Uh, so players getting doused. Reyna actually takes a projectile to the eye, uh, and 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 is, is down on the play. And I mean. Mexico kind of played themselves there uh, because that just the fans did at least the players. I I, w- I don't I'm not saying that they were trying to do this, but the fans, you know, down a U.S. player who wasn't even in the game, uh, and we had to stop play to have him be attended to, and that at this point down one one goal, it's costing Mexico minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, it was there was plus seven of, of stoppage time in that second half, so they got a lot of those minutes back. But to me, it's just like. And we've seen this kind of happening in the NBA during the playoffs recently as well. You can tell a player to go fuck themselves. I think that's okay. I think you can say you fucking suck. I think you can say you're fucking trash. I don't think you can say anything racist or homophobic. But short of racist or homophobic, I pretty much give you a lot of leash to say some shit. You and I have been to a lot of sporting events together. We say some shit. We've said some shit, But we know where the line is. And you most certainly cannot throw things at players. That's just not... You You are not entitled to get to throw things at these athletes who you are endangering their body, which is their primary way of their livelihood. Their only way they have a livelihood is through their body. To me, it's just ridiculous. Mexican fans have a history of this, and it just goes unpunished, and it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. You can't throw shit at players. It's dangerous. Yeah. I don't care if it's a popcorn kernel or if it's like, you know, something a little heftier. It, it, it's never excusable to throw shit at players. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. So, um, you know, we got the end in sight. Uh, great chance to see a win. And there's some um, chaos in the box. Uh, ball is headed towards goal. And it takes a, a deflection, but a minute deflection off of... Mark McKenzie, and, and I, I mean, at this point, I'm just like, I, I honestly 
mean, at halftime, I wanted him off because I was worried about, you know, what would happen. Um, you know, when we're in, like, the 80th minute, or in X time, like, can we get him off just so, like, he can't be the one that costs us a game? You know, like, I just, he's, he's 22, he's a young kid, he's got a lot of opportunity and potential to You don't want a bad performance to break him and set him back. Yeah. I get that. And then, and then he takes, I mean, his, his arm is so close to, his, like, next to his, against his body anyways. Uh, and he's like less than a foot away from the, the the Mexico player when the guy heads it into his hand, and nothing called goes to VAR, not as lengthy, but another lengthy review. And dude, this this referee was channeling some like like he had some energy pointing to the spot both for US and for Mexico when VAR like when using VAR to give the penalties. I'll also say this uh, at one of these times in VAR, Mexico's coach Tata like. Comes up next, and the referee grabs him and points at the he, screen. He puts his arms around the rat. Yeah. Burhalter is like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Backs him off, and Tata gets sent off with a red card. He gets a straight red. He gets a straight red. Yeah. You, you can't interfere with them when they're. You can't. You can also like. You are never supposed to touch the referee. I agree, but it's like, like a pad. I mean, I've seen other touches. The yeah. context well, of the McKin- touch. McKin- I think, McKinney dapped the ref at one point. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you see, like, guys, like, like give the referee a pat on the back. I, the context of the touch is everything. And to me, he's in For the sure. middle of a review, and you're actively trying to influence that review. Yeah, that was fucked. So, penalty. And at this point, it's just like, I mean, I don't know. I always assume that a penalty is going in. It, I mean, it, it always is. Until it's not. Guardado. So, still- what? Go ahead. One interesting, one interesting thing, a uh, little uh, background. In his career up to this point, Ethan Horvath, I believe, was had three stops out of 12 penalties faced. Which is pretty good. It's pretty good. You know, it's, it's a small sample size, but it's, that's, that's, that's pretty good. You know, well, he's also better, pretty young better guy. Better than so. like the zero for 28 that De Gea is over a five-year span. So I'm going to go ahead and yeah, say is, that's pretty good. Which, that's probably the entire five-year span that Ethan has been facing penalties, right? So, like... <laughs> Uh, it's actually a pretty good comparison. So he's got pretty good experience. Um, you know, uh, what was it? Andres Guardado uh, is the one taking the penalty. I couldn't tell what, what Pulisic was doing, but like when it was clear that they were going to get the penalty, Christian walks up to uh, to our, our boy Ethan and is saying something, kind of pointing to his head. You know, actually, I thought he didn't have the, the strongest like consistent impact in the game you know christian wasn't on the ball nearly enough and, and you know wasn't able to make plays uh but he i thought did a great job of being a leader you know he he i thought was really strong as a leader weston was really strong as like you're not going to fuck with my guys and, and so that was really cool to see but i'm taking us off track sorry so why don't we get back to the penalty so guardado steps up to take hits a penalty slightly to the goalie's right and low, and Ethan just has a strong hand there to see it out. That is probably one of the biggest moments in his career, his young career so far. And like you said, despite kind of getting screwed with um, Club Rouge, he shined in that moment, and he stepped up and saved the game. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. It was, that was absolute wild. That was also, we should say, a pretty shitty penalty. It was a fucking horrible penalty. 
you know, at the very beginning, not really, you know, all I saw is he saved it. You know, I think he went left or right. He, he went, went to one of the sides and Ethan saved it. And I was like, that was an incredible save. First replay, you're like, oh shit, that thing, like, that thing didn't get anywhere near the corner. It didn't, it, you know, it had pace. That that was, it had pace, but Ethan got his, you know, his hand and wrist down. He was able to just parry it away. Big bear uh, paw, and baby. He was also able, yeah, big bear paw. And then he was also able, you know, to collect some aerial uh, crosses that came his way shortly after that. Uh, and when that final whistle blew, it was just watching all the players storm Ethan because, you know, he had a hell of a game considering that, when you when you're the backup goalie on the team sheet, you don't really expect to get game time. Yeah, really awesome. So 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 awesome to see this this kind of new golden generation for the U.S. get a big win against their rival, lift up a trophy, fucking ugliest trophy I've ever seen in my life. Looks like an actual mold of the trophy that was supposed to be made. Yeah. Um, Someone stole the trophy and they're like, "Well, we have this mold," <laughs> but it was just. I, I, could, I couldn't even fall asleep last night, man. I was just so pumped and just watching interviews, watching videos. Also, I do got to say... Two nights ago. What? Wasn't it two nights ago? Yeah. Sunday night. Um, Hector Herrera grabs U.S. players by the throat on a very frequent basis. And how is nobody giving him any sort of cards for this? It, that should be a straight red. Grabbing that someone that should that should also be like oh, at least a one game ban. You know, well, that should be an additional ban, out, like red plus one more. That should be a two game ban. Like, but Concacaf sure. refs need to start cracking down on that kind of shit and the scrum because that'll never happen. You can't go around grabbing people by the neck. No, and it's interesting. In actually, uh, so almost any sport, you can't go around doing that. Hector Herrera and Andres Guardado have both grabbed Weston McKinney by the neck in different games. Yeah, that's probably that's a mistake. And like, I I, I love Weston. Uh, like, there were times where uh, where was it? I think Herrera who kept his foot in on a challenge on, on Ethan uh, when he when he kind of covered the ball and Herrera went in and, and kicked him. And like, there were Weston was you know halfway across the field, but there in a fucking instant, and he was he was ready to throw down for his guys. And I I I fucking love that mentality. Uh, but when 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 players do, I think I think Mexico, you know, players see that in Weston, see that he's you know got that fire for his teammates, so they then target him, and it's it's the composure he has to like, I'm I'm going to be here for for when you take run runs at my boys, but like if you target me, I'm not going to get you the response that you want is really impressive. Yes, especially from a guy who's so young. Yeah, so young, um, and and also you know. Every time Weston was there backing up his his teammates, DeAndre was right there too. You know, I don't I don't want to leave him out. And he was I thought a really good job as you know being that one of the older statesmen, kind of being there, not letting the you know some of the shithousery get away, you know just go without answer, but also not rising to a level that would get cards and uh, and expulsions. And I'll say this: Weston McKinney has all the qualities, in my opinion, of a great soccer captain. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at that. I don't think we have a permanent captain right now. Mm-hmm. But to, if it were my choice, I, I go with Weston McKinney. Uh, I think Berlter has t- talked on it. He's I think he said at any given time with the crew we have, we have three to four candidates for captain. You know I think he's he's identified 
the the three the, the trio that the kind of the triumvirate that that we have of Adams, Polisic, and McKinney. He he believes all have the different styles, but all have leadership qualities that could make them a good captain. I I do think Christian is actually a really did a really good job. Um, he was like supported different teammates at various times of the game. Uh, he, you know, kind of took uh, Ethan aside and was kind of pumping him up. He was basically saying like, "Don't even, don't even worry about what he's gonna do. You you're like, you're gonna save this. It's, it's not even a question." Uh, and 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 then I think the rest of the time he was just talking to Ethan about other stuff, so it would just sort of help him like not be in his head on like the penalty that's coming up. Uh, so I thought Christian did a good job of being a leader. Um, I think. Yeah, you, know, you can be a leader and not have the armband. Uh, I don't like when teams don't have a captain. I actually think that says that's a weakness on the coach's part because he's too scared to make a rift in the locker room. In my opinion, and in, in teams I've played on, that's never come across as a position of strength for me. And whether someone's the captain or not, you always have multiple leaders. But for me, I would make that captain Weston McKinney because I think Christian Pulisic has the biggest spotlight on him, more so he than has any U.S. Too much pressure, pressure already. Exactly. Let McKenney take that load off and let McKenney have that. I don't know. To me, he just when I hear he, yeah. this is the ultimate compliment I can play to a midfielder. He reminds me of Roy Keane sometimes. He also reminds me of like Gattuso if Gattuso was able to control his emotions. <laughs> Gattuso <laughs> didn't murder people. Yeah. Um, so, but the, and the other person that we didn't talk about um, is Tyler Adams, which when he came on, great. I thought that was game changing. Yes, and you you just wish he had been healthy enough to start. Yeah, and so when he came on, uh, he subbed out Tim Ream. Thank fucking God. And Acosta, only like an hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes too late. Uh, Acosta uh, dropped into the left back setup so Adams could play in the midfield with McKinney and you know Acosta had a great game too yeah I thought Kellen Kellen had, had, had a strong enough game to where you know if if one of our holding defensive mids is not able to go I feel pretty solid that he can you know be a, be a temporary sub for them in, in their stead yes, I think I if, he, liked... if he's paired with the strong like one of Adams or McKinney yes completely agree yeah paired with one of those I, two I, guys. Completely agree. Um, so, but I, I think, and I think this might be why we don't have an established captain yet is like, we haven't been able to, one of the three has always been hurt, like mm. Adams, McKinney, uh, and Christian. So we haven't been able to see them all together. So it doesn't bother me that we don't have an established captain for this game that we just played on Sunday. I agree. I, I would like to have one set up by the time we start World Cup qualifying. Perfectly stated. Completely agree. hundred percent. I, I agree. Look- not for this game. I just, you just can't do this forever. Oh, I, I completely agree, and, and honestly, it, I think I think all three have uh, have potential. I, I think your point, uh, Christian has a lot on his shoulders. Uh, free him up from that. I, I like. Um, I would not hate if someone like John Brooks was a captain. Love John Brooks. And John Brooks, you know, I think he he's 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 grown a lot and being more of a vocal kind of leader, uh, using his experience. So I, I wouldn't hate it if, if if we want somebody with some World Cup qualifying and actual World Cup experience as a captain. So we have options. And scored a goal in the uh, World Cup. Yeah, he scored a sexy goal in the World Cup. Um, so really, I know we've talked like for almost an hour on on the U.S. Uh, do you mind if we just real quick like kind of takeaways in terms of like what you would like to see from like the U.S. squad, you know, moving forward from this. Yeah. What I would like first and foremost is to get everyone healthy. 
Yeah. Okay. So we can play. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to end world hunger. Yeah, we can. We can. Yeah. Skip all that. Yeah. First and foremost, I want everyone healthy because I want. Um, second, I was really disappointed that Anthony Robinson never made an appearance on this game, and to me, if you're gonna do, and I, I think we agree for the maybe that we agree that, at least to get, uh. MLS Greg was trying to do some sort of back five deal. And for whatever reason, that broke down pretty much instantly. Yeah. But that was the intent. And if you're going to do that, Anthony Robinson has to be that guy. I think Dest is a phenomenal player. So great going forward. But, and honestly, Dest would be great against a lot of the teams we face in CONCACAF who just sit behind the ball. I'd go with Dest. But against a team that's going to f- hit back and hit hard, I mean, how many times did we watch games where Anthony Robinson had Mo Salah in his pocket for an entire game in yeah. the Premier League? Yeah. I mean, I think Anthony was, what, he, he was well within the top half. I think he was, like, within, like, the top six of the Premier League left backs. Yes. Completely agree. And Incredible. if you want to still get Dest out there because of his talent, Dest has the positional flexibility where he can be a competent right back and have a chance to cut in well well not just a competent right back but i'm pretty sure that's his where he's primarily deployed he did until jordi alba got hurt yes yeah that was an injury like that was so he's been played left for injury i think greg wants him left because he wants to partner him with christian pulisic i think that is why he wants uh Dest on, on the left is yeah. so they can link up, which I, I get what you're going for there. Uh, but in my opinion, I completely agree. Anthony on the left put Dest on the right. We saw how good and dangerous Gio Reyna was. Why can't we? Why, why can't we let him and Dest link up? And that way, Christian. I actually think Dest and and Pulisic is a little problematic because they sometimes will occupy the same space, and so you actually get a, get to a point where. Dest is bringing a second defender into the area that actually takes space away from Christian. So why don't we experiment with Dest on the right, let him link up with, with Reyna, and then we have Anthony on the left who can defend the flank, will get back, and also can put in decent balls in the box. And I think it goes back to what you and I always say about the biggest challenge of a national team manager is how do I get my best 11 players on the field and make it work? And I think the best 11 players for the U.S. includes Anthony Robinson and Sergino Dest at the fullback positions. I agree. I, I completely agree. I think that's a great point. Uh, so you didn't ask, but I'll follow up with my kind of like takeaway on, yeah. on what I like to see. No, no, I mean, I wanted to know your takeaway. <laughs> so it's, it's no surprise to anybody that's listened to like, you know, at least one episode of this recently. I'm a big Josh Sargent fan. I, I love the grit he plays with. I love the effort he constantly gives. Uh, starting to get concerned about the lack of goals, club and country. Um, not not really getting too many opportunities. Um, and I think part of that is the way we're set up and the, the kind of service we provide. But also, it's also it is the the forward's responsibility to you know make himself and in, into situations where he can get service. So a little concerned, you know. I thought I thought uh, Jordan P. Folk uh, played well when he came on in the second half against Honduras. You know, he got the game-winning goal that got us into the final. And then Sargent started, and Pifo came in in relief in the second half, and neither of them really made much of an impact on the game. 
the person who really impressed me, and we talked about him earlier, was Timothy Weah. Uh, Timothy Weah, who's played wing and striker for club and country, PSG, uh, Lille, m- m- more deployed as a, a substitute winger for Lille's championship campaign this year. Uh, but he's definitely played striker. And I honestly think I would like to see us, until we can get you know a true center forward to start producing goals more regularly, I'd love to see, let's put Wea at the striker. Let's do a more fluid, changing front three, where you've got Pulisic, you've got Wea, you've got Reyna, and they are, they are making runs you know, and weaving in and around each other. So I think throw some of these defenders off who are trying to more heavily man-mark when we get into the attacking zone. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think for the last couple of years, my philosophy, especially with international soccer, has kind of been that positions are meaningless to me. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, a, you know, I've kind of become a big fan of the more like a more fluid. Like you don't necessarily have to play in your bet in your preferred position. And I, so I completely agree with you that I think having I'm very Dutch, I'm very Dutch of you. <laughs> indeed, um, I think that uh, having those three kind of weaving, and also. Just to add on to this, what I would really love to see is a Musa Adams McKinney midfield three. I'd like to see us play a four three three with the three you just mentioned in attack, the three yeah. I just mentioned in midfield, Anthony Robinson, Dest, Brooks, and Miazgo or Richards. I really, really, really want to see that personnel. I, 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 I could not agree more. Uh, and I'll give a little more a little more detail, right? We got Pulisic on the left, uh Wea, you know, as the as the, the fulcrum, the, the front point. Reyna on the right, but at any given time, it may be any three of those guys in any three of those spots, yeah. right? Just based off of how they're weaving, syncing up, you know, it might might realize we actually need uh, Reyna's poise on the ball on the left and Christian's speed on the right because it can challenge a slow defender or whatever it is, uh, or way out out wide so he can you know whip balls and whatever. Uh, and then the, that three mid, I think it's uh, Adams as a you know, holding defensive mid. So, so we can think of it as like a, a defensive triangle where Adams is the furthest back kind of providing that cover over the, the center backs, over the defensive line. And then you've got McKinney and Musa who are a little bit more up as kind of like a, you know, center mids, not necessarily fully center attacking mids. And then just the three of them build an understanding of, well, if, if, you know, two of us are going up, one's always staying back, or maybe we're only going to send one up and both stay back to help cover. And I think that could be really dangerous. For yeah. us, for against opponents. My last question is: Stefan's definitely the starter, right? Like that—that's that—that's that, not a question, right? I love that even Ethan Horvath had such a good performance, but a Stefan is still the starter for me. Yeah. Okay. My next question is: What does what has to happen for that to not be as automatic uh, a response? Stefan, unless um, why am I blanking on the Manchester City's goalie's name all of a sudden? Claudio Bravo. No, <laughs> it's um. Wow. Ederson, duh. Ederson, Ederson, yeah. Ederson. Wow, Claudio Bravo. Unless Jesus. Ederson suffered a long-term injury where Stefan is playing 30, 40 games a season, we know that's gonna that's that number's closer to twelve to fifteen because he is the backup goalie. If Horvath starts getting. Anywhere in Europe for me is fine because I think I talked to you. I think with yeah. goalies, obviously we want them to be in one of the top five leagues, but I think it's slightly less important on goalies because stopping shots is stopping shots is stopping shots. Yeah. If Horvath 
either becomes the starter at Club Bruges or moves to a comparable club or slightly better club where he becomes a starter, I could see that making a change. And I don't think that's that unlikely. I think it's very much in the realm of possibility. And I'm I'm in the same place as you. Like I I, I love I love Ethan. I, I love you know he's had two high profile games, one for the U.S., one in the Champions League for Bruges. Like after losing his playing time and played really well in both. Love to see that, but that's two games. Need to see a lot more. Uh, his contract is out with Bruges at the end of the month. I don't think they're going to renew him because Mignolet costs them a lot uh, on, wage, on wages. So I'm hoping that you know he can kind of take the momentum from this performance. Uh, help you know, hopefully he has an agent that doesn't suck, and he can get a move to you know somewhere in Europe. Maybe maybe still in the uh, the Belgium league, maybe over in uh, the area diversity. Hey, or, don't uh, uh, don't Lille need a goalie after Milan just bought their yeah. goalie? Yeah, uh, so like there there are definitely you know I think teams that need goalies. Uh, so it would be great to see if he can yeah get consecutive minutes uh, as like a starter. Then we revisit based on this form. Uh, but I, I agree. I just wanted to ask the question. Yeah, but you know. Gold Cup coming up as well, but we know that's going to be a squad of primarily MLSers. But maybe we see DK uh, playing. You know, there are, there are a few guys see... that are promising who have European pedigree talent. I agree. And Gianluca so, Busio, yeah. Watching those guys will be exciting. But I think with that, we now must. I must now take off my American pride and fully become my English alter ego, as it's time to talk about the Euros. Uh, so you know, I think we've we've talked about our our secondary international allegiances um, in the past year. Secondary allegiance, you know, spinning um, in these major you know world yeah World Cup and European tournaments. My secondary has been Italy, uh, which is no surprise. You're the club team you follow the most is based in England. The club team I follow the most is based in Italy. But I was really I was at a really low point uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, after Milan failed to beat, uh, fucking, I think, Cagliari, uh, and it looked like we weren't going to qualify for Champions Dude, low League. point, you were on suicide watch. Uh, Donnarumma was basically, was, like, confirmed was leaving. Like, there was just, like, a whole, and he left, but I'm, I, I'm past that fucker, I don't care. Um, I was looking at, in Italy, released their roster, and I was like, they didn't even call up Calabria. They're the best Who, right back in Syria. You could argue Hakimi um, if you want to take like the Dest and Marcelo. Like they're not really fullbacks; like they're wingers. So they just found a way to find an extra winger. Uh, <laughs> but if you want an actual fullback, Calabria yeah. uh, Calabria was the best right back in Syria, and he got left off the the squad. And kind of looking at the squad, there are players that I like. Um, there are like I don't want to I don't want to say that there aren't. There are, but. It's, this is not a squad of like that, that I you can easily fall in love with uh, like I have in, in squads past. So I just don't I don't I, I might I might be departing from my European uh, secondary squad for tournament. Wow, this is huge. I figure we're, we're gonna go break down the groups, uh, kind of talk about what we're you know excited storylines we're excited for, our predictions, uh, and then a quick segment on like the, the individual players that we might be interested in watching. And then I was thinking at the end of that, uh, I'll make my decision. I, I'm still undecided. Okay, so at, at the end of this podcast, you're, gonna, pod, you're, you're I, picking your team. 
I will de- not, and I'm not, and this is not who I think is going to win at no, all. No, no, I'm no, no, who you're rooting, dude. There, do you think I think there's? I think, I think England might lose to fucking Scotland in the group stage because that would be the no, most. That would be so England. That would be the most England thing to do. <laughs> yes. So, so on the on, at the end of this this conversation on this pod, I will declare who my my primary team is, and it, you know what? At the end of the day, I could Your say secondary I, team. My primary, my primary team in the Euro. Your primary sorry. Euro team. Yeah, we're, we're gotcha. talking about the Euro. You, you you took off your USA hat and put on your uh, your 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 whatever English my English uh, trumpet. Team. Yeah, you're, you're, so we're we're only talking about Euros. Um, it might I might still fall back to Italy, but I honestly just don't. I don't know. Can I there's just say so much that I'm so fucking excited? I love... There's something just so special about the Euros. I'm fucking giddy, man. I'm so ready. Okay, okay. well, should we, should we dive in? Dive in. Group A, we got Turkey, Italy, a very plucky Wales team, and Switzerland. A talented Switzerland that has a roster of a lot of international experience. Yes. Yes, this is actually a very open group, in my opinion. In that I could see a couple of, you know, I you could make a case that, you know, any one of these teams could qualify. I, I would argue this is the second hardest group. I could see that argument. I could see that. I think, I think you know, group groups E and D are up there. Yeah, in terms of in terms of second hardest, you know, it's the last group we'll talk about. But group group F is the group of death. Group That's F is group fun. fucked. Yeah. Um, so I, I we can get into that in the other groups when we get into them. Yeah. But I think I think I think this is the second hardest group, uh, and and I this is why I'm not enamored with this Italy team. Just I think partly because like I'm bummed my boy Calabria didn't get the call. Turns out he was injured and had surgery, but I, I still can't get over it. Uh, but Italy is they are a, a they are a good team. Uh, Mancini has them humming. They have like they had an impressive qualifying uh, run. I don't think they lost a game in Euro qualifiers or they or something like that. They, they, really, really well done. Uh, so they are they are kind of playing well. Uh, Wales, you know, uh, Wales Golf Madrid. That's 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 all you need to know uh, about about Wales. They've got Gareth Bale. Uh, that's enough to make them dangerous. We saw them make a run last Euros based off of Gale, off of uh, Bale. We mentioned, uh, or I mentioned, I think Switzerland have a lot of uh, international experience, and you know, Jordan Shakiri should be well rested considering he's barely played in like since joining Liverpool. Uh, and they got you know Jaka, who tends to get way less red cards for Switzerland than he does for Arsenal. And then I think Turkey are, are a really popular dark horse, you know, this year in terms of a team that nobody's really talking about, which now means everybody's kind of talking about them. Uh, you know, they, well, well, you know, everybody's talking about them when Uncle Podcast is talking about them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that that's why I think this is a pretty uh, tight group. And you said it's the most open group. I would agree with you there. I think I'd be surprised if Wales wins the group overall. I just don't know if they have the talent of all the positions, but I would not be shocked if they get second. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and on this Turkey team, they got three guys who are part of that Lille team, that Lille championship team. Mm-hmm. They also have the Leicester City's best center back in... Um, so, so, I, I always fuck up the pronunciation. Soyuncu. Soyuncu, thank you. 
They have AC Milan's Chalinoglu. They, they have a couple of – they have some some decent pieces here. And then, Donald, let's not forget that Turkey is the home of the Super League, the most competitive league in the world. And they've got some – they've got players from Galatasaray, Besiktas, Fenerbahce. You know, they've got – Hey, don't sleep on Trabs, Trabs Plum Spore. <laughs> I, I think I – Dude, they have two guys from Sassuolo. Yeah. Um, this is a fun Turkey team. Fucking, dude, 2008 Turkey semifinals against Spain. No, it was Germany. Germany in the semis. The first time all tournament they took the lead in that semifinals, they didn't know how to play with the lead. <laughs> that was the 2008 that's Euros. That's Bastian Schweinsteiger jumps on the scene for Germany and a long-haired Sergio Ramos. That's when I fell in love with him. R.I.P. Yeah, and that was I was also in uh, Balak's heyday too. Yes, Michael Balak, German captain. Yeah, that Spain Germany final decided by one goal from Fernando Torres. Yeah, uh, this was before he morphed into his final form of Fernando Torres. <laughs> but okay, anyway, enough reminiscent. This group at hand, uh, I you said very open group. I will say, I think Italy goes one. Because they just they have the best players. Uh, ugh, I am so torn between this very plucky Wales team and Turkey. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Italy. Italy, Wales, and Turkey is a third place team that makes it in. Okay. Okay. So I, I was, I was going to save the, my, my, four best third place teams for the very end. Okay, uh, I'll do that from now on. And that's okay. Uh so I've got Italy and Switzerland finish one two. Oh interesting. And that's a risky pick and it's all up to how how impactful can Jordan Shakiri make himself. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think Italy will be the. Cl- I mean, if Italy can't even advance as a third place team, then fucking hey. I think Italy will definitely advance, but I think kind of our picks just show that it really is a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. So looking at Group B, uh, which I guess to read out for everybody is Denmark, Finland, Belgium, and Russia. This is, in my opinion, one of the two least interesting groups. Yeah. And with that in mind, I'm still kind of, I'm still very interested in it. I still want to watch all these. Like, like you know, Belgium, uh, there's there's one thing I'm looking for in the group stage. I have no doubt they are getting out of the group stage. You know, that is not a question. Is how how much time, if any, does Kevin DeBrenna miss? And how up to speed does he see? when he's back in with the squad. Yeah, I mean, I think they're... I think regardless of that, like you said, they will get out of the group, but I think their chances of winning the... you know, potentially winning the Euros or making a deep run is very much contingent on the health of Kevin De Bruyne. And, in my opinion, if Eden Hazard can just capture his form for one month. That's all he needs. He need, We always talk about it that you don't need to be the, the guy who's consistent season in and season out with your national team. You got to be good for four weeks. That's it. Yeah. And honestly, with Belgium, 
they only need him good. They only need his hard good, like, come knockout time. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just, you know, another interesting uh, kind of position to be in. Uh, the other thing that, you know, is it'll be interesting. Russia made noise at the World, no, at the Russia World Cup. Yeah. Uh, can they do that now? I think I just think we have two far away talent wise superior teams. Belgium, a league of their own in this group, and I think Denmark, not anywhere near Belgium, but also a a full leg above Finland and Russia. Yeah. So I'm taking I'm taking Den, uh, Belgium and then Denmark. Yeah, I I, I think I I think I I'm going with the exact same in that order too. Uh, and you know what would be interesting is I think people forget that in 1992 uh, Denmark actually won the Euros behind the incredible performance of Peter Schmeichel, mm-hmm. and. You know, kind of almost thirty years later, you have his son who's kind of leading Denmark in the line. So could could be kind of so, you know sometimes sports kind of just have a way of writing their story. So and, and if he Kassel gets hot, Castle Riggles had had I thought a, you know a really strong last couple of seasons with Leicester. Um, yeah, and you you've also got uh, you know Simon Kier who moved to Milan and really I think rejuvenated his career. Uh, he was incredible down the stretch from Milan this season, uh, and he's you know helming like the, the captaincy of the Denmark team. Christian Eriksen took him a while, but kind of finally found his footing in Serie A. Uh, I think that that team can can play you know with 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 Kier manning that back line with Casper Schmeichel between the posts. They they could they could win a couple games one zero. I could see that. I could see that. And that's, that's what Croatia did uh, a lot of the, the way to the World Cup final. Yep. So, yeah, I think Belgium, Denmark, um, that's the pick there. Group C. This group is interesting because Northern Macedonia is in this group, along with Austria, the Ukraine, hey, and the Netherlands. Props, props to them for qualifying. That's incredible. Yes. Good job, guys. You should be proud to be here. You can, and... At the end of the group stage, please ignore your minus eight goal differential. And my my my, my uh, guess here is zero points. Yeah, actually, no. They are going to get one point. They are going to get one point. They are going to draw the Ukraine, and that's what's going to prevent the Ukraine from advancing. So you're you're going Netherlands Austria. I'm going Netherlands Austria because this is, I'm purely picking against my heart. I've I've always been a fan of the Ukrainian national team. Um, you know, Andrei Shevchenko, uh, that's why I fell in love with Andrei Yarmolenko, because, like, he could, you know, just, I don't know. Uh, but the Ukrainian national team always lets me down. Without doubt, has let me down every chance they've gotten. So I know if I pick them, they, they will not advance. But if I don't pick them, they will let me down by making it through. You're almost talking me into going with Ukraine for the second spot. I'm pretty torn between Ukraine and Austria. I think that's pretty – those are two teams that I'd say are pretty much in the same level. And to keep things interesting, I'll go with the Ukraine to advance. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think uh, it will be interesting to see Marko Arnautovic. I haven't seen him play since he went over to Shanghai. Uh, but – 
Yeah, I think, you know, there's some interesting, you know, Marcel Sabitzer, uh, Conrad Leimer, a couple midfield duo in uh, in Leipzig. Could be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Now, what's interesting about Group D, you have England, Croatia, Scotland, Czech Republic. Uh, I don't know if England has ever gone to war with the Czech Republic, so I'm going to actually have to look that up now. But England and Croatia are World Cup semifinalists who are now in a group group together the next Euros. I don't know how often that's happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a war of some sort. Well, we did confirm that England and the yeah. Croatia, and England and Scotland have obviously been in wars. Yes. England, Czech Republic, Anglo-Czech wars. <laughs> Okay, what do we got here? Lukewarm, not hostile relations. Okay. 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 So that's promising for England. Um, England. I got it. We got to talk about the squad for England because I was always made most of. And the it's like. Gareth Southgate, just the ultimate mental midget, says he's not going to pick Trent Alexander-Arnold, gets bullied and pressured into picking Trent Alexander-Arnold. Trent Alexander-Arnold gets hurt in a friendly. He's out of the Euros. That's obviously tough for tough for him. I don't wish yeah. that upon any player right before the Euros. And with most people thinking he's going to pick Jesse Lingard or James Ward-Prowse take his place, goes with Brighton center back Ben White, who will probably not see a single minute of action at the Euros. And it baffled me that James Ward-Prowse wasn't picked the first time around for the England squad, because this was an England team that had, that had made a deep run in the World Cup based on their set-piece abilities. And James Ward-Prowse is the best set-piece taker, set taker yeah. who is English. And, oh, for sure. And the best set-piece taker in the Premier League, opening it up to all nationalities yeah it that is shocking that is absolutely mind-blowing but on good for this podcast grelish got there my boy luke shaw who also was in the pfa team of the year just quick shout out to luke shaw i am so happy for him and rashford all got in there so obviously i'm writing to england but dude Opening up against Croatia and playing Scotland, like the England Scotland game, just sounds like a game that they were made to blow. Yeah, kind of like uh, when when what was it Robert Green uh, against the United States? Yes, let, let Clint Dempsey's uh, soft shot just roll into the net. Like that that feels like something that we could see here, you know, uh, with Scotland. Other other you know. Squad members. I was excited to see Jude Bellingham. Uh, yes, keep he was in the provisional. I thought he might be one of the people cut uh, because, like you, I thought there's no way James Browns doesn't get selected. Um, and you know, he's he's young. Uh, I would be surprised if he sees meaningful minutes uh, in this tournament. But he also played meaningful minutes in the Champions League and the Bundesliga for Dortmund and really shined shown uh, this year. So, who do you got? It's going to suck. They they gave Jack Relish the seven, the number seven jersey, and he's not going to play. I I, I could see Gareth Southgate giving him the seven and then leaving him on the bench for like uh, until the 85th minute uh, in games. The fact that there's a chance that my three favorite English players, 
Rashford, Shaw, and Grealish, who I think there's a large condition of people who think those should be automatic starters. The fact that there's a chance that all three of them are going to ride the bench a lot Rough. destroys me internally. Um, but, yeah, it, England, I have no idea what they're going to do, but they're not going to win the Euros. They'll make it to the knockout rounds and then lose in just the most heartbreaking fashion imaginable in extra time or penalties probably against an old war enemy most likely but okay who do you have coming out of here i have top in the group let me double check england (laughs) oh i have england top in the group i think i think their blunders come in knockout play yeah i have england topping the group and it looks Their like blunders come when Harry Maguire is healthy and getting uh, and, and gets worked back into the starting uh, lineup. And I have second place in this group, the Czech Republic. I would love, I'd love to hear this. This is this is a very intriguing choice to me. I think we've seen oftentimes in any sport uh, when you come as close as you can come to getting the ultimate prize and you fall short. Not always, but oftentimes you can have a hard time rebounding. Now, this is a little different because this is three years after the 2018 World Cup where Croatia did fall short, right? They they came close. They they punched above their weight for a lot of it. And uh, then they met they a not, juggernaut of a squad. I mean, they, still, the French squad is so fucking talented. So, I... I, I'm worried about Croatia because that squad in 18 was already pretty good. Yeah. And you know, I'm worried. We've seen like, you know, when Italy had strong showings uh, and then brought an aging team back uh, into the line, into, you know, European tournaments got wrecked. Spain eventually got old and got wrecked, right? Uh, Netherlands got old and failed to qualify for, for major tournaments. So I'm I'm worried about Croatia's ability to continue with you know that that last squad was was pretty old. I haven't compared how many people from that last squad are in this squad, but either way, they're they're pretty old or pretty inexperienced. Um, and then I think I think the Czech Republic have some interesting players that that could be fun to watch. Uh, I think you know one of the breakout players of the Premier League this season. Cooled off a little bit in the, the back third, but Thomas Suchek of West Ham yep. uh, played really well as midfielder, you know, goal scoring midfielder. So really, really interesting to see how he plays. You know, Patrick Schick has uh, landed at Leverkusen after kind of floundering at Roma. He's played really well for them. Uh, so we've got you know they've got you know, I wouldn't call it star power, but they have players that can deliver. Uh, so I'm just I, I think they are going to cause a problem for mainly the mainly Croatia. I like that. I like that. For my second pick, I also kind of tend to agree with you about the hangover after falling short. And though I don't think they have the firepower for it, I could see Scotland messing around and finding themselves in second place. I don't know. I just... I think they're going to be kind of like the, you know, every tournament has that darling. I think it could be Scotland this tournament. You know, looking at that roster, it's solid. Did did your boy, did your boy not get called up though? McTominay? I thought he did. No, 
Dan James. Dan James is Welsh. He's Welsh. And he did get called up for Wales, which is why I really like them on the counterattack. So, yeah, but looking at... So, Shea Adams, solid producer for for Southampton. Uh, But you got Scott McTee. Little Billy Gilmore. That'll be fun. Andy Uh, Robertson, Kieran Tierney. Yeah. Liam Cooper from Leeds. You got. You got to figure. You got to figure the the Rangers keeper is going to be the starter, right? Yeah, you got John McGinn and Scott McTominay mm-hmm. to anchor your midfield. Yeah, they they got a low key like decent little, is, little team here. No wonder they, they they no wonder they qualify. This is a solid team. I, I kind of like your pick. They now they don't have someone like they have Shea Adams up top. They don't have like a. But isn't phenom- he more of like a? He's part of a. He, he flourishes as a, a you know pair a strike partner. Yes. Yes. So they don't have a they don't have the most firepower, but I can see them eking out a goal or two and having enough strength in the midfield and in the defense to hold. Yeah, like I, be, I just see this team being able to score a lot on set pieces. I I also think if they're scoring from open play, honestly, it's it's gonna be McGinn making runs from the midfield. Yeah, uh, you know McT uh, showed an ability to score some goals uh, at times. Uh, and then maybe some slop cleanup from Shea Adams. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I just think this Scotland team could be could 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 make kind of like your your tournament darling run, and I'm riding with Scotland. I like it. I England like and it. Scotland, I, I, baby. My <laughs> and Wales. I went with all UK teams. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm so, sure they all. I'm so. Fun. They're all three gonna 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 uh, fall off their feet. Okay. So Group E has uh, Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. Uh, this one is another uh, strong group, I think. Yeah, and it's a Spain with no Sergio Ramos, which mm-hmm. it seems Spain like that's, it that's seems testing like, positive for COVID right now. Yeah, so I don't even know what. Yeah, uh, Sergio Busquets, the captain, um, I guess in place of Ramos, has a COVID, and they're they're worried about the other COVID teens. Um, you know, about the other squad members of the team having COVID. So that's kind of a, that's a wrinkle right there. But assuming, I'm going to assume that they don't have to pull out the last second and be disqualified for COVID reasons, which also is, does a team come in their stead? Does, so what, what happened? I saw that Spain has called up uh, some provisional players that are training in their own separate bubble. I think it's like six or eight they've called up. Uh, Sergio Ramos was not one of them. I, I was looking for that. Uh, so on the Sergio Ramos decision, real quick, I think he's a high profile enough player for us to just spend a second talking about it. It seems like it was not just a Spain decision. It seems like there was conversations with both sides, based on comments made by Ramos, and that he his bot like he had started getting some the, injuries this season he hadn't gotten before, and he he just he couldn't go. He wasn't the 100%. way I the way I read it was there were conversations that were had with Sergio Ramos, but it also felt to me like if they had let it be up to him, he would have been there. It sounded like, like just the way, the way I, I saw it, it was like, okay, he's kind of talking about how there was a, a convers- there were conversations and the decision was made, and like he's, he respects the decision, but also kind of felt like he, if he could have picked, he would have been there, if that makes sense. But it doesn't feel like he was just left like, nah, man, we don't want you. It wasn't the Jaimez Rodriguez where Colombia was just like, nope. Yeah. 
I, uh... Yeah, well, I think everyone can agree that it, the injury issues played a large role in why... That would be was, why. That, yeah, that would for sure be why he was not selected. Whether there was any mutuality to it or not, Yeah, that's just speculation. But to answer your, your original part, I saw they, they have like a bubble training uh, for like, I guess, alternates, uh, where if they do have uh, several players that have to sit out. So as long as they don't have, you know, like a majority of the squad and, and can continue to spread, then I think they're going to be fine, at least in terms of being eligible to play. Yeah, so... I have Spain finishing this group first, Poland finishing the group second. Um, yeah. So, I'm... Uh, this is where this is where you beat me uh, when we tally this up at the end. Uh because I make stupid calls, uh, just with the heart. And I'm, I'm really factoring in here, uh, that I don't, I, I think Spain's going to be missing a few players just, uh, in the group stage because they're, they're testing positive. So I am leading the group with Poland, which you should never do because as great as Lewandowski is, uh, for some reason, Poland do not produce, uh, the international stage because they're Poland. And usually all their good players, like Klosa and Podolski, play for Germany. <laughs> That's so rough. Um, so, oh. also, you see this? So, Arkady Milik is, uh, was called up. He will miss the tournament through injury, but no replacement has been called up. <laughs> So that's, that's great. Uh, so I got Poland in first, and then I have surprise Sweden uh, finishing second in the group. That's a good pick. We'll see. Um, I just saw, I think, uh, one of their kind of promising young players, Kulusevsky uh, from Juventus, might have tested positive for COVID recently. So we'll see. Jesus. Yeah. All right. <laughs> group F. Also known as the You Fucked Hungry group. Uh, we've got Hungary, <laughs> Portugal, France, and Germany. France and Portugal were the two finalists of the Euros in 2016. Portugal is the reigning European champion. France is the reigning world champion. Uh, who won the World Cup in 2014? Oh, yeah, Germany. So this is a very this is much a very this is like muhammad ali and mike tyson and evander holyfield all being able to fight each other in their primes and then and then you also have uh logan paul or jake paul or whatever uh is also in in, in the ring chris paul (laughs) um this group is nuts and i guess i guess we're gonna kind of get in to some of my kind of like predictions with this group because i think i have three big predictions that all involve teams in this group and my first prediction is that france will not win the euros i i tend to agree uh we you, you know sustained success is so hard to do at the international level because to you know how can you not be slow one time right all you have to do is be slow one time in a knockout tournament and and you're out um, and they made it all the way to uh, the finals in the Euro, right? In 2016. Yeah, in the last Euro. And then they won the finals in the World Cup. That is, for them to 
even make the finals, even to win the finals, they have to not be slow just once for three straight major European and world tournaments. It's hard. That's fucking hard. What Spain did, what Spain did in the 28, 2010, 2012 run, that's just like not replicable. No. That being said, far and away the most talented squad of any of the teams here. Okay, couple of things we got to talk about their squad. Number one, how the fuck do you pick Lucas rides the bench Hernandez over his brother Teo Hernandez, who is the most electric left back, second most electric left back in the game when fully healthy? I think Alfonso Davies is the most electric left back. Oh, I think you're gonna go with Luke Shaw. Uh, I think you're going to no, 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 no. Yeah. I and, was repulsed by Didier Deschamps, Deschamps, disgusted by him. I hate him. Dear listeners, I need you all to realize how much Donnie means this, considering his a block for the France squad was not the return of his beloved side piece, Kareem Benzema. Now that is also something we have to talk about. I'm, I'm convinced he called up Benzema so nobody could question uh, his decision to leave Teo Hernandez off. I completely agree. I'm still fucking questioning it, though. It's total bullshit. Also, apparently, all they did to squash the beef is that they had a phone call. Uh, I believe uh, Deschamps' whole, whole like stance was he has to apologize to me. And I guess Benzema did. I think he finally, finally did. Now, I believe that in some sort of sickening troll that because Benzema has been included in the squad, that is, you know, you, you talk about your, your logical reasoning. Oh, it's so hard to really make these deep runs three tournaments in a row. You can throw all that out the window because they won't win with Benzema. And then, and then people will be like, yeah, but they won the world cup with Giroud. And then I'll have to live with that. Not only that, but today in the friendly Benzema got fucking injured. I don't know the extent of the injury. Pray to God. It's not severe. And then Drew came in and scored two goals, which was not ideal for me. But that's kind of on France. Now, Germany. Ger- real quick, real quick, real quick. Oh, yes, uh, back to France. Read into the midfielders. Kingsley Coman, so N'Golo Conte, so good. Thomas Lamar, Paul Pogba, so good. Moussa Sissoko, so good. Uh, Corentin Tolisso, so good. Adrian Rabiot. Do you really need Sissoko or Rabio uh, in that roster? Like, you couldn't have squeezed Teo Hernandez into your lineup for maybe one of those two guys. Hundred percent, you should have. Are they? If if Rabio plays over any of those other options in whatever like f- format you need him, I I think that is the way. way like, he's he's a talented player. He's good, but. With those mids and forwards that could play in that, that that spot, I think that there is no need to have him in the squad. And you couldn't use that spot for Teo Hernandez uh, to liven up your your attacking abilities from the wing. You don't don't start Teo, but ha- bring him in as as a, a, a spot on your twenty six man squad in case you know it's zero zero or you're down one zero with twenty minutes to go and you need a spark plug. I mean, but that's the thing. I can do that with the other position groups, too. Look at some of the forwards. Kareem Benzema, Kylian Mbappe, Anton Griezmann, Olivier Giroud. Do we really need Wissam Ben-Yedder or Marcus Turum? 
No. In the Defenders! Why the fuck is Kurtzuma there? <laughs> <laughs> also, how is Upamenko not there? <laughs> what the fuck is Kurtzuma gonna do? You know he's gonna start Varon. You know Pavard's gonna be the right back. We know Teo's gonna be the left back. Well, Teo's not gonna I'm be I'm sorry. Left back. Teo should be the left back. Lucas Hernandez will be the left back. And either Kimbepe... Kimbepe will probably be with pair with Brown. Yeah. I'm surprised Kanate didn't get... Uh... I just yeah. I just think that Deschamps' own stupidity is going to get in the way of this generationally talented team. Yeah. Um, I, no, I, I, I th- there's, there's a lot there. So we don't, we don't need to spend all this time on France. Uh, I know yes. we wanted to... Yes, I, think, I think we wanted... You wanted to move on. Did you want to talk about Portugal or Germany next? I'd like to talk about Germany. Okay. Because here's another thing I'm going to predict for this Euro. Germany is going to make a minimum semifinal run. Because there is no way that a team who has been to the most World Cup semifinals has won the World Cup, has won the Euros, has made it to Euro finals, has made it to Euro semifinals. There's no way they're going to have a not good performance two tournaments in a row that's just not what germany does mm-hmm. that is not but what germany you finally does. had yergilo swallow you had yergilo swallow his pride and bring back thomas miller uh bringing back um matt hummels who he banished to the shadow realm uh saying that they are no longer in contention to play for the german national team as soon as he decided to step aside for after the euros he you know they took that that personnel and brought them back. So I think you see Yuri Lowe, you know, admitting some mistakes and having some personal growth. Also, a midfield trio of Kimmich, Cruz, and Gundogan can be absolutely nasty. Yeah, yeah. With uh, Thomas Muller as a false nine, flanked by Serge Gnabry and possibly Leroy Sané or Kai Havertz. I mean, I just there's a lot of nasty things that can happen with I the actually, roster. I think I think you put uh, Mueller on the wing. Uh, oh, he plays okay. there for Bayern. Uh, he he rakes up assists. I know, but uh, usually so, for the German national team, he kind of plays that striker yeah. false nine. Reason I think that is, is Havertz has played really well in attacking roles for Chelsea. Like, like yep. he, we were talking about him being a flop at the beginning. Werner is a real flop, um, at least until, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hang on to that for a while. Uh, but Havertz played really well. So I think you want you want to capitalize on that. But yeah, you got Kimmich, Kroos, and then, you know, Gundogan, hell, like Goretz, yeah, you've got you've got options, man. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think, think Antonio and Antonio Rudiger in the defense is a huge upgrade on the very old um, Boateng we saw in um, yeah. 2018. Yeah. Uh, Gosens, I think, can can provide some uh, attack and great service from the crosses. Uh, he's a fullback for Atlanta. Yeah. And I actually think great. with with kind of these German options, Kimmich might be better suited to play as a right-back for this German team because he'd be the best right-back on the team. If you play him at right-back, that then lets you get Goretzka in there with Gundogan and Kroos. Yeah, so yeah. It, we always talk, get your best one play the other. But I think this Germany team is going to make a run. Also, we have shouted him out on the podcast multiple times. He's been a hot guy of the week. Kevin Ballen was really happy to see him make the team. Yeah. I, I always like to imagine the hot guys are friends of the pod. 
So, speaking of the hot guys, I think we do have to uh, give a few a few minutes to Portugal. You can argue that they are the second most talented squad at the Euros because they are fucking stacked. I could also argue England is the second most talented squad at the Euros. You could, but they're still England, so I think that also just, has the just, point. Just to, honestly, just to, just to give you heart palpitations is why I would make that argument. I mean, where do we start? Look at these fullback options. Cancelo, Guerrero, the for, the reigning player of the year in the Premier League, Ruben Diaz, Jose Fonte, Nuno Mendes. Pepe still there. Pepe who had solid of Champions League season for Porto. Yep. Nelson Semedo. Oh, then the midfield. Danilo, Bruno Fernandez, Jao Matino, Ruben Neves. Oh, Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva, the forwards, Cristiano Ronaldo, Andre Silva, Jao Felix, Diogo Jota. Fucking A, dude. This team, so good. Here's the problem. Here's the problem I think that this squad has. They're getting their best 11 players onto the field would mean they only play one one center back. <laughs> their best 11, just best talented would be one center back, one of their solid fullback options, no goalie, and the rest are forwards and midfields. Yeah, it, it's almost like the problem with this team is it's like, how do you put a team together when you have so many good options? I mean, it's so this is so top heavy. This team is so top heavy, just from a, like attack for like, I mean, you could argue, forget the fucking midfield and just let me let me play with Joao Felix, Diego Jota, Andre Silva, and Cristiano Ronaldo. Obviously. <laughs> that but like i kind of want to yeah this is like a if i'm playing fifa if i'm playing fifa with this squad i'm doing a 4-2-4 <laughs> seriously i've got ronaldo up top with with uh probably andre silva and then felix and jota out wide in the, the front four my two probably gonna be uh bruno and Fuck it. Yeah, Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandez. I would be unreal. And then and then and then your 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 left back is the attacking left back Rafael Guerrero, for sure. From Dortmund. Love that guy. Love his game. And then Joe Cancelo is your is your your right back. And then you've got Ruben Diaz, fucking thirty something year old Pepe. Or is I mean Pepe or Jose Fonte? Jose Fonte had an incredible season for Lille. For Lille, yeah, that's a good point. Dude, Lille's <laughs> popping up all over the place in these national teams. No wonder they fucking won. They had the starting eleven all national team players. It's usually yeah. how you win. Yeah, um, and then get rated. So I, I think I just I think as much fun as I would love to see that lineup that I just called out, they, you can't do that. Uh, so it'll be it'll be very interesting balancing act for their man their their player manager Cristiano Ronaldo when he selects the team sheet. <laughs> yeah, it will be. Also, is this is this? I mean, I'm sure he will be around uh, for the uh, World Cup, but is this is this like the last time we see Ronaldo logging like superstar minutes? I don't know about that. Yes, okay, yes, it is the last time we see him. We see him logging superstar minutes, and it's the last time we'll see him at the European Championships. 
and what yep. a ride it has been from losing in the final at such a young age in 2004 to Greece to winning it all last year or not last Euros. What a ride he has been in the European Championships, and it, it, you know, like it, like we, you know, every, you know, it's it's cheesy to say it. It's always Ronaldo versus Messi, Ronaldo versus Messi, but we're getting close to the time where they'll no longer be a Ronaldo or Messi. And at this point, you just gotta appreciate what these guys have done. I mean, fuck, dude, Ronaldo's thirty six years old. I mean, one of. When, when people say, like, you know, 2018 World Cup, you know what my immediate thought is? The game that broke David De Gea? <laughs> Ronaldo's free kick with the short height. <laughs> yeah. The Ronaldo yeah. hat trick game that broke David De Gea. Yeah. That's my, but, like, my immediate thought is is watching him hike up his shorts before his one short before Tana for him. And like, oh, this is going in before his run up. Like that that is my immediate thought of the twenty eighteen World Cup. That was such followed, an unreal game. Followed up closely after that by the fact that the Golden Boot winner was own goal. <laughs> uh but yeah, um Hungary, great job for qualifying. You are there to get hurt. Yeah, that roster too does not have a lot of uh like marquee teams uh supplying the the players. Yeah. My, uh, my, my my predictions. Yep. I in a shocking turn of events, I believe France will win their group. Yep, I'm with you there. I am channeling the superstar magic for second place, Portugal. I'll say this: when Portugal won the Euros, it was as a third pl- as the best third place team, and I don't think that's going to change this time. I think Germany are going to make a deep run. Part of them making a deep run is having a better seed. So I'm going Germany as my second place team, but France. Do what the I mean, what the fuck can you say about France? They're so fucking good. I don't I don't know how the I haven't looked at like which groups match up with who and who gets what third place team, but there's also the possibility that winning your group gets you a tougher draw if somebody like Spain, you know, is late to start and gets third place in their group, right? Sure. Or, uh, sure. Like, so, it's possible. Uh, so I think we, we could quickly run through our, our picks for the four top third place teams. Yes. Um, go ahead. So you pick, you, you already called out Turkey. Uh, guess what? I also believe Turkey will make it through in third place. Hey. My, uh, no, no, I'm looking at this in order of the, yeah. The other team I have picked uh, is coming out of Group D. I think Croatia will, will finish as a top place, third placer. Mm-hmm. So looking at this, I got Turkey. I got Turkey. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Turkey... Austria, I think. Well, while you're thinking, also, uh, I I sprung this part of it on Donnie, so he didn't get to prep for this when I did get to prep for this. Uh, so my third third place team is coming out of Group E. I my surprise pick was Spain does not finish top two. I do think they're one of the top third place finishers. 
So yeah, so Turkey, I I'm thinking Austria because I think everyone gets a win on Northern Macedonia, so I'm thinking they already have uh, three yeah. points. A leg up on some of the other third placers that maybe just get like two draws and a loss. Yeah, and it's the same logic for Portugal. Everyone in that group's beating Hungary, and if Hungary beats someone in that group, it's going to fuck everything. And like, if Hungary beats somebody in that group, that that team is not advancing, and they that coach probably has to get fired. Could you imagine if Deschamps got uh, beat by Hungary? I kind of want that to happen in a very. <laughs> I'm very. I'm a. I'm a sick person. I'm a sick person. I'm kind of torn between Croatia in Group D and Sweden in Group E. Oh, I. I'll go Croatia. I mean, they still have fucking Modric and Rakitic. I go Croatia. Yeah, uh, and then my fourth is out of Group F. Uh, I have Germany. Uh, gonna make it. I think they're too good not to. Yeah. I think we kind of get the sense that given the fact that Portugal, France, and Germany will all beat Hungary, that also gives them a leg up. Basically, if you could be a third-place team with four points, I think you're getting in. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah. So it'll be, it'll, it'll be, I think, I think Germany finished third on goal difference or something like that to, you know, Portugal. Um, and that, that, that can get them through. So, um, I know we're running really long on time, uh, and I think... It, it, it's, hey, look, it's naturally going to lend... When you have a big USA game, and then we have to preview an entire tournament, it's going to run yeah. a little bit long. That's okay. So, the other thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, one thing that I love, that I think we all love about these major tournaments is... It's, it's, the, it's, the, great, it's the biggest stage for the biggest players to, you know, perform. So I was just wondering, are there, are there you know specific players that you are excited to watch? And I think this can be of a couple a couple you know things, the the playmakers, the stars that we all know about that we just are itching to see do it on the biggest stage, and then anybody you've got your eye on that you think could like you know really explode. You know the the overused example here is Hamez coming out of that 2014 World Cup, right? Yeah. He just put itself on the on the map. So those those would be or like also you know any kind of older players like swan songs right Cristiano I think is a bit of an exception because it's a little different when he's one of the greatest players of all time yeah. uh, but so that kind of goes without saying but there's also you know looking at Northern Macedonia uh, Pandev uh, this is his kind of final go and it's cool they were able to so I was curious as to like any any players specifically for you that you are interested in and excited to watch yeah I'm gonna just give you three yeah. Number one, Gareth Bale, because I think the entire season with Tottenham was to stay in shape to try to go balls out for Wales. No, the entire season with Tottenham was to be able to, to play some of the great uh, golf courses in England and be close to the Irish and Scottish golf courses. Come on in. So really excited to see Gareth Bale and that Wales team. And, you know, kind of like with Scotland, I can kind of see them being a tournament darling and maybe making a quarterfinal run, surprising people. Number two, Memphis Depay. He came off of an injury this season, had a good solid season for Leon. is the heartbeat of that uh, Netherlands attack, who just lost Donny Van de Beek, by the way. Yeah. Out of that guy has had just the shittiest 2020-2021. Um, and I think Memphis Depay is available. I think he's, it's either he's going to be, he's a free, you know, quote-unquote free agent, or it's the last year of his contract, so he's going to get shopped around. 
and a lot of teams, including Barcelona, you know, teams that are trying to revamp are looking yeah. at him. So I think he has a point to prove. The third guy, if he starts, I mean, this is one of those teams that's so stacked, he may not start, but if he does, would love to see what Jao Felix can do not hamstringed by a Diego Simeone kind of defensive mindset and getting a little bit of freedom. Uh, I really want this kid to succeed, and so would love for him to have a, uh, a big tournament. So I'll kind of go all kind of wingers in a way, and I. I uh, but those are kind of three guys I am really, okay. really excited for. Yeah, and and yeah, I think those are some good picks. Uh, so for me, some of the players that I am excited for, uh, I'm going to throw out my Homer pick first. I don't even know if he's going to start, uh, but hey, he's played two seasons with Milan, and second half of the of both seasons he's been on fire. On Remick, uh, winger, occasional support striker uh, of you know, for Croatia, and we've mentioned that that team got you know got a little old from last last their their, their World Cup outing. You know, Manzukic isn't there. I don't I don't. You know, I think even Perisic is there, but he's a little bit older now. I don't know if he's going to play you know all the full minutes. Uh, I think I think you're going to see Andre Kramaric, uh, who had a really good goal scoring season in the Bundesliga. Uh, but he's going to need somebody on the wing to kind of put balls in and make runs. So I think Redditch could have a really fun tournament, and I'm looking forward to that uh, when I watch Croatia. Sticking in Syria, uh, another player that I'm very interested in watching, I mentioned how much I'm a fan of the Ukraine and how they always let me down, so I'm sure I'm jinxing the fuck out of this guy. Uh, but Ruslan Malinovsky, a uh, bit of a late bloomer. He's had a really strong season for Adam. 28 years old, so kind of you know late to come in, but he's got a wicked shot outside the box. Uh, always in the right place offensively. I think he could be a lot of fun to watch. And then, my friend Donald, I gotta say, I don't know if we're gonna be able to watch him play because I don't know if he'll get selected. But I gotta pick my one of my fa- most favorite creative players in in soccer right now. I am excited, hopefully, to watch hot guy, perennial hot guy, Jack Grealish in a major international tournament. Oh, I stayed away. I stayed away from the England guys. I was excited for because I knew Gareth Southgate's squad selection would just kick me right in the nuts. I know. I I I have a feeling we're gonna you know, and like I get it. You know, he's gonna want to play. Um, Mason Mount, who had a fantastic season for Chelsea, um, you know he's going to be defensive and play like Declan and Rice or something, probably or Jordan Henderson. Uh, then he's going to he's got to find room for Jaden Sancho, you know, Harry Kane, either Sterling or Rashford. I get it, but I mean, every time Grealish is on that England squad, he is the most creative, dynamic player, regardless of who else is out there. And I want to watch that in the Euro. I'm telling you, if I had it my way, I go Rashford, Kane, Sancho, Grealish right behind them, Mason Mount, and Declan Rice holding. I think that squad is a wrecking crew. And then just don't fuck up the back four. Yeah. Like, don't play Ben White, for example. No, you do, um, well, if he's healthy, McGuire, but if he's not, Stones and probably Mings, right? Mm. And then you do Luke Shaw on the left. Mm. And then you Kyle Walker on the right. <laughs> Can we talk about... 
how you said Kyle Walker was getting up there and was slow. I he was thought the he fastest was. player in the yeah. Premier League. Not this past season, but the one before. He's still very much quick. That, that I also mind. think you mentally thought he was maybe a few years older than he was. I did. I for sure Because he's just 30. Now, if he was 33... Yeah. I didn't realize I didn't realize how young he was when he had broke through a Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> just that was the best part. Like, isn't he kind of getting slow? And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure the dude... I thought like, he... Honestly, thought he was like 33. 34. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I, I kind of figured. That was a funny <laughs> moment. Okay. <laughs> now, we got... It's an international tournament. We always do this. Eric Gates, gun to your head, who's winning the Euros. Um, definitely not. The, definitely not the Ukraine. I thought you were going to say definitely not the feel pretty, U.S. I'm pretty confident there. Um, you know, I all the prep I did, I should have prepped this question, and I did not. Do you want me to go first, and then you can go, so you can have a minute? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Assume now. This is one big assumption. Assuming Kevin De Bruyne is fit to go, Belgium gets it done with this generation. Romelu Lukaku coming off one of the best seasons of his career. Hazard is just not fat for a couple of weeks. Kevin De Bruyne is raring to go. This Belgian team gets it done. Belgian wins the Euros. Immediately after you asked if I wanted you to go first, and I said yes, I regretted it because I was like, wait, there is one squad that jumps out to me. Uh, it's Belgium. Like there is Podcast United, baby. Ride or die together. I love it. There is one squad that jumps out to me as not. Once again, this is not my declaration of who I'm pulling for. Um, no, this is just a guess. If you if you eliminate us from a World Cup, it's going to be so hard for me to ever support you. You know, that's just the that's the, them's the rules. Um, but man, that is the big caveat of is De Bruyne there? If yeah. De Bruyne is there and like able to play even at like eighty percent of his ability, that's all he I, needs. Said it. Big Rom is on fucking fire this season. Uh, Yuri Tielemans had a really strong campaign for Leicester. You know, they've got midfield depth beyond De Bruyne. It's, that squad is scary, and that squad is so sexy. If, if you know, I, I will, you know, since since we said the biggest is if De Bruyne is healthy to play. If De Bruyne is, like, not able to play or can't go the full, the full campaign, my backup... Oh, who I think would take their place in that stance. <laughs> I'm going to say France. Okay. Okay. I think, I think Belgium, I think Belgium is the team that can eliminate France. Okay. Okay. So if Kevin De Bruyne is less than 80% or not healthy, France, I mean, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, oh, they're just so good. I just I just don't think France are going to do it. I, I can't shake this feeling. Like, as, as sure as I was in 2018 that they would win the World Cup, I'm almost just as sure that they won't win the Euro. But if it's not going to be Belgium... Oh, famous last words, because I feel like we're switching places, but Germany? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please get out of the group, Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 
Like, I mean, it, like this 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 caveat is not what we're you know, our, our prediction. Our prediction is Belgium is, is Belgium. podcast yeah. consensus. Don't fuck it up, Belgium, or fuck it up. I don't really care. I'm cheering for England. <laughs> okay, so who am I pulling for, Donald? I don't know who you're pulling for. I've been waiting for this the whole episode. I don't think you're pulling for Italy. I don't think you're pulling for Italy. I'm not. I'm not pulling for Italy. Who, if you, if you had to guess, who, just based off of our conversation, who do you think? I mean, I'm just based on the number of times you mentioned them, like kind of the Ukraine, because you keep going like, oh, I don't want to ruin them, but like, oh, this Ukrainian guy's the guy I want to watch, and oh, I'm hoping if I don't pick the Ukraine, the Ukraine can progress, and it's like, oh, but have we talked about the Ukraine enough the last five minutes? <laughs> I did I tell you? Did I tell you? My guy Andre Yarmolenko got called out to the to the squad. <laughs> I feel like you want to cheer for the Ukraine. I always want to cheer for the Ukraine, Donnie. But I could also see you kind of wanting to cheer for Sweden or Denmark. I can see Sweden, Denmark, or the Ukraine. One of those three being your team. Yeah. Um. Uh. Not not Sweden. Um. I, I can see where where you kind of just get that but not not feeling sweden this this year the the final two i narrowed it down to were in denmark and the ukraine i wasn't even thinking about the ukraine uh like about about who i would who who i would potentially throw my allegiance towards uh but then halfway through this conversation i realized i said the word ukraine more in this you know last two hours than i have in the last like four years uh, so that's something uh but because I'm terrified of getting to them, and like I don't want to get my heart into them because I know what happens, right? Um, Denmark. So I'm I'm gonna back Denmark, which gives me the the Milan homer of their captain Simon Kier. Uh, I mean, if he plays well, definitely hot guy candidate of Casper Schmeichel. Mm. Yusuf Poulsen, who you know can can score some goals that we've seen for Leipzig, uh, and then obviously you've got. Christian Eriksen, you got uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg. It's a, it's a squad. It's a squad. It's a squad. It is a squad. Well, we will probably check in either at the tail end of the group stage or right after the group stage. Um, maybe sooner. Maybe we may surprise you, but I don't want to make a promise we can't keep. But that is your definitive guide to Europe to the European Championships for 2021. I am so excited. Starts on Friday. Let's fucking go, major, baby. Major international soccer tournaments are back, baby. I fucking can't wait. Cannot wait. Um, as always, please follow us on Twitter, at OwnGoalPod. Follow us on Instagram, at OwnGoalPod. Email us, OwnGoalPod, at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Music or Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. We can't wait to check back in with the Euros. This was a great episode. Bye. To the byline. It's in, it's an off goal. It's a gift. Oh, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car.